Welcome to FASD Family Life, the show for families by families where we discuss parenting children and teens with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Robbie Seal, FASD educator, advocate, and mom of four children with FASD. I know the struggle is real, but so is success. I hope that sharing my experiences can help you feel that you're not alone and that there is hope for you and your child with FASD. Please take a second to like and subscribe to FASD Family Life. Turn on notifications so you don't miss any episodes. New episodes are released every Friday. I call it FASD Fridays. The podcast is available on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Podcast Addict. You can share the podcast with your friends and family by copying the link into an email. Come visit me at Robbie Seal on Facebook and I will post resources, great reads, and answer your questions. Thank you so much for all the love I've received in emails and text messages from listeners. I appreciated all of your comments and questions. You guys make this podcast amazing. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode number seven of FASD Family Life, the podcast for families by families, where we get real about raising children and youth with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. I'm so happy you could join me. In this episode, we will tackle the dreaded morning mayhem that challenges so many families raising children and youth with FASD. Do your mornings feel like you're hurting cats? Are you frustrated and feeling defeated by working so hard and seeing no improvement? I've been there. I'll share the strategies I have learned raising my four kids with FASD and will transform your chaos to calm. Okay, well, calmer. If you have a question, send me an email at fasdfamilylife at gmail.com and I'll do my best to answer it for you. I'll bet if you're new to parenting a child or youth with FASD, you are quickly becoming aware that your best parenting doesn't work. That's because typical parenting methods teach us to positively reinforce the good behaviors to encourage more of them and negatively reinforce the undesirable behavior to extinguish it. Well, I've been there, done that, and can promise you it's not going to work when parenting children and teens with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. The reason is, quite simply, because an individual with FASD has a complex brain injury that makes learning from consequences very difficult, if not impossible. The complex brain injury manifests in challenging behaviors that are in fact symptoms of the disability. In the next episode, we will discuss the primary characteristics of FASD and the resulting behavioral symptoms. But in this episode, we will just focus on the challenging behavioral symptoms that we may encounter in the mornings and what parents can do to create a better environmental fit that can enable their child with FASD to experience less frustration and more success. Comment I often hear is, Robbie, my mornings are so frustrating. It's like I'm hurting cats. I hear you. I remember the chaotic mornings trying to get my two six-year-olds and my three-year-old ready for school and preschool all at the same time. Trying to keep track of all three busy little highly distractible kids was like herding cats or chasing squirrels. It was impossible. One twin would be crying because the socks were too buggy. The three-year-old was always getting into stuff and the other twin, whoops, where did she go? Mornings were so hard. 
I did my best. I always set out the twins' clothes the night before, from socks to underwear and matching tops and pants. I was hyper-organized back then, following Fly Lady's methods. I don't know if you remember her, but she was my secret weapon when I had five kids at home. And being very organized helped me in many ways, running a home with so many kids. Well, I set out their clothes the night before so that they would be able to get dressed for school in the morning while I helped my three-year-old. It was a really good idea, in theory. But what I didn't know yet was that my three little ones had fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And FASD has a special knack for rendering parenting strategies null and void. There is one morning in particular that is seared into my memory. It was business as usual, with breakfast eaten, my little ones and I were in the process of getting them dressed for school, brushing teeth, and getting hair all cute. At one point, I walked into the bathroom to see the toilet paper roll had been spun out all over the floor again. I crashed. I sat on the edge of the bathtub and wept, holding my head in my hands. I was overcome by the feeling, I can't do this anymore. A little voice inside said, in an hour, it'll be different. With that thought in mind, I pulled myself back together because I guess I can do anything for an hour. I rolled the toilet paper back onto the roll and got back to helping this one get dressed and that one find socks that weren't too buggy and refocus the third one from her toys to the task at hand. Then get three sets of teeth brushed, three faces washed, three heads of hair combed, Oh gosh, one more diaper change. Okay, pack three school lunches. And if that weren't enough, I still had to get all three wiggly little bodies dressed in snow pants, winter jackets, boots, mitts, and toques. Then backpacks on. Finally, they were all standing at the door ready for their respective school buses. Oh my gosh, those were some hard days. But you know what? In an hour, it was different. They were on their school buses and the house was quiet and I could regroup. The takeaway from that memory is, in an hour, it'll be different. Keep going. Keep supporting. You can get through it. For me, that was huge, and I've fallen back on that many, many times. I think it'll be helpful for you, too. Give it a try and let me know how it goes. But it's not enough to try harder. We have to try smarter, too. That's when my parent coach taught me about creating a storyboard or a pictorial to-do list for each child so they could see what needed to be done, cross off each task when completed, and instantly they could see what needed to do next. Together, my coach and I created a storyboard for each child that was color-coded for easy identification. In our case, we had pink, purple, and blue, which made sense because my identical twins' clothes were pink for one and purple for the other. Color-coded clothes made it a lot easier to identify which little blur just ran past giggling because they were up to something. The storyboard to-do list made our morning routine concrete for my kids. No longer some random stuff mom said every day. Now it was a pictorial to-do list that showed my kids what they needed to do next. When completed a task, I praised them and they could cross it off and know what to do next. I would ask, what's next? Even my three-year-old could answer that question. Before the storyboards, we did have a structure of how the morning went, and it was solely my responsibility to communicate what needed to happen and in what order. It was kind of like directing an orchestra, but I was the only one with the sheet music. Once my kids had their own pictorial to-do list, we all had the sheet music, and I was able to teach them to refer to this list to see what needed to happen next. 
over time, by doing the same thing in the same order every single time, we built a routine that became nearly second nature. Be patient. We're helping our kids build life skills, but their brains are unreliable. Some days they're able to follow some of the pictorial to-do list. Other days, everything may be overwhelming because that day the socks are buggy or they didn't sleep well or because yesterday was a field trip at school and now they don't know what to expect today. On those days, they will need more assistance with as little auditory stimulation as possible. Some days are just really hard. Other days are better and some days their brains are making connections and everything goes according to plan. We celebrate those good brain days and we acknowledge the bad brain days and that's when I reduce my expectations, provide more accommodations and more assistance. Over time, an adjustment was needed to create space between siblings because they are very reactive to frustration caused by one another. So I redesigned their storyboard pictorial to-do list so that each child would be alone in the kitchen while they ate breakfast, cleaned up their dishes, completed morning chores of emptying their section of the dishwasher, and packing their lunch. We call it separation for success. We learned this brilliant strategy from another parent in a support group. Another morning prep strategy I learned from a mom who had a very early and busy mornings was to have her children get dressed for school the night before. After their evening bath, mom would have her twins put on clean clothes instead of pajamas. This accommodation supported her children in a couple of ways. Firstly, it reduced the steps required to getting ready every morning. And secondly, it reduced the sensory distress one of her children experienced in the morning when she put on fresh, clean clothes. They always felt too stiff and buggy in the morning. But when she could get dressed in clean clothes in the evening, she had time to adjust, and by sleeping in them, they were more comfortable and easily tolerated during the school day. A question I received is, Robbie, my child wants to wear the same clothes every day. Is that a thing? Well, it can be, my friends, and there are a few good reasons why your child insists on wearing the same thing every day. It's not uncommon for children and youth with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder to have sensory processing disorders, which in layman's terms means that things are too loud, too scratchy, too bright, too buggy, too spicy, too smelly. It can be that their perceptions through their five senses of sight, touch, taste, smell, and sound are on heightened alert so that the world around them is on volume 10 high def all the time. And quite frankly, that's overwhelming. But this is not always the case. For some individuals, there's not enough stimulation coming in, and so they're hyposensitive. And these are the kids that are seeking sensory input. They're crashing into furniture, jumping, spinning, running, constantly making noise, and don't notice if their socks are on backwards, shoes are on the wrong feet, or their pants are twisted. If a person is hypersensitive to clothing, where seams in their clothing irritate them and socks are too tight, too loose, or too buggy, it may be very difficult for them to find clothes that are comfortable. Once they finally find pants that work, they may not want to try something different. I once knew a student who wore what appeared to be the same blue t-shirt and gray sweatpants every day at school for four years. At first it struck me as odd. But then I realized that my girls, too, had a very limited selection of clothes that they felt comfortable wearing. So I no longer thought it odd, but genius. The student never looked dirty or shabby. In all likelihood, his parents had figured out that this accommodation was needed for their son, and they went with it. 
for all I know, he probably had seven identical blue t-shirts and seven identical gray sweatpants. And you know what? He was at school every day. I count that as success. Another student I knew wore a velvet jacket and top hat to school every day for a year. To the adults, he looked very smart. And to the kids, he looked, well, he looked like Tanner, not his real name. The kids were awesome. They were totally accepted. And I don't know why Tanner wore a velvet jacket and top hat every day, but if I had to guess, I'd say that he probably received some compliments the first day he donned the outfit and liked the positive attention so much that he just kept wearing it. It could be it was how a favorite movie character dressed, and so he wanted to emulate the fictional character. Whatever the reason, it did not get in the way of his success. Tanner attended school with great enthusiasm and had positive interactions with his teachers and peers. Children can perseverate on an idea or behavior. It's like they get stuck in a rut, and it's very difficult to lift them out of a rut. Sometimes it may be okay just to ride it out with them if it's not getting in the way of their success. Too often as parents, we sweat the small stuff. And believe me, what your kids wear to school is the small stuff. If they're attending school, engaged in learning, and have positive interactions with adults and peers, then you have a success on your hands. I know I've been hung up on this issue too, and sometimes it gets really tricky when a favorite sweater begins to smell or take on a life of its own. And when that happens, I offer to wash it along with that child's laundry right after school so they can have it back in their room before bedtime so they can rest easy that their favorite sweater will be there for them in the morning. My kids can do their own laundry, but they may not have the capacity to do it after school, so I offer to do it for them so that my goal of washing that stinky favorite sweater gets accomplished and their goal of having it for school tomorrow is also honored. I may have to assure them that the wash cycle only takes 40 minutes and the dry cycle only 45 and show them on a clock that their clothes will be done before bedtime and they will still be skeptical. But if I follow through the way I say I will, I earn trust for next time. And here's another tip about school clothes. Let your kids wear their comfortable clothes the first few weeks of school. Save the new clothes for birthdays and Christmas. Kids with FASD have enough anxiety about starting a new school year. The discomfort of new clothes will only make them more uncomfortable and potentially self-conscious. Let them wear their comfortable clothes. Another listener emailed to ask, what is a thinking-free environment? I've heard you mention it, and why is it so important? Well, I love this question because I think it really is important. We know that FASD is a brain and body disability that will impact the individual for their lifetime. And one of the key characteristics of this disability is impaired cognition or impaired thinking. Now, that's not to say low IQ, rather a slower cognitive pace, rigid thinking, quick stress arousal, unreliable memory, receptive language delays, poor executive function, and inability for conceptual thinking. So we can sum all that up into an umbrella term of thinking. If we know the primary disability is thinking, then a supportive intervention is to create a thinking-free environment where the individual is cued to know exactly what to do without having to rely on memory decision-making, or auditory instructions in order to complete tasks in a sequential manner to a predictable outcome. You and I do this all the time. When we have a certain place, we always keep our keys. When we have a certain place, we always put our wallet or purse after work. 
when we use post-it notes, when we keep a diary or day timer, or we, we write a to-do list for ourselves, or a honey to-do list. Our kids with FASD have brains that are unreliable to them. Some days their neurons are making all the right connections. In other days, they are not. So it is our job to remove the stumbling blocks to build skills and capacity. One way we can do this is by posting visual reminders right where they're needed. A visual schedule of whose turn it is to unload the top rack of the dishwasher won't help if it's posted on the wall by the calendar, which is at the back door. But it will be a game changer if it's on a whiteboard that is magnetically affixed to the front of your dishwasher. Children prenatally exposed to alcohol and trauma benefit from the predictability of routine depicted by a picture to-do list that shows them what needs to happen and when every morning. They can have fun crossing off each task completed and instantly know what's to come next. And it can be a lot of fun for the child initially, especially when accompanied by praise from mom and dad. Everyone feels great when they know they're doing well. There are many steps involved to getting ready for school in the morning. So placing these steps in an accessible pictorial format is very helpful to the parent because they can offload the energy of keeping everyone on track with verbal directions to a static to-do list. And over time, the morning routine becomes predictable and coherent to the child who may internalize some or all of the steps. Many adults with FASD still rely on posted lists to remember how and when to do things. Interestingly, the lists become even more effective once the individual with FASD is able to put them in their own printing. And a pictorial to-do list can be very useful in the bathroom too, where it can indicate the steps to using the toilet, flushing the toilet, washing hands with soap, drying hands on a towel, combing hair, putting toothpaste on a toothbrush, brushing teeth, rinsing toothbrush and sink, and putting toothbrush away. As you can imagine, there are many applications where a visual aid is useful to creating a thinking-free environment, which sets up the child and youth for success, builds skills, and meets expectations. I have a funny story, too, to share about the to-do list becoming internalized. One morning, my kids were moving through their morning routines quite well, and I interrupted one of the kids to say, hey, you need to have a shower this morning. Well, she shot back, no way, I'm not having a shower. And I said, sweetheart, you need to have a shower. You need to freshen up. I'm not having a shower. Sweetheart, you're smelly. You need to have a shower before school. She ran to her room, got a to-do list that she made herself, and she held it in front of my face and aggressively pointed at it and said, do you see shower on here? I don't see shower on here. There's no shower on here, so I'm not having a shower. Well, I had to stop in my tracks and say, you know what? You're right. There is no shower on there. How about you have a shower after school? Fine, she said. You know what? That wasn't the nicest encounter, but that was success. She had taken that pictorial to-do list, written it in her own hand, and now was following it step by step. So I had to chalk that one up to to to-do list and success and just rethink what I was trying to do. And she she had a shower that night and we kept on our way. We must always keep in mind that FASD is a lifelong disability. Each person with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder has their unique strengths and challenges. We need to talk about FASD, 
the struggles and the successes. And we need to shut down the stigma around this disability. We need to be compassionate and inclusive, recognizing no one is self-made. We all need help to reach our full potential because individuals with FASD have unreliable memory and find it difficult to anticipate when and how things should happen. Structure and routine are necessary to construct a scaffolding of predictability. And over time, when we build a strong structural foundation by doing the same thing the same way every single time, our children build capacity to do more and more for themselves. But it takes a lot of time, repetition, coaching, and sometimes assistance to enable our children and youth with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Next episode, we will discuss the primary characteristics of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and the resulting behavioral symptoms. Do you have a behavioral symptom you're struggling with that you'd like me to discuss on the show? Do you have questions about accommodations to help your child reach his full potential? Do you have questions about FASD? Email the show at fasdfamilylife at gmail.com. And please share the podcast with your friends and families so they can learn about FASD as well. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me. I know it's precious. If you like this podcast, would you please subscribe and give a five-star rating, write a review, because that makes it a lot easier for others to find FASD Family Life, a podcast for families, by families, raising children and youth with FASD. Until next time, remember, the struggle is real, but so is success. I'll speak with you soon.